Hello and welcome to episode 128 of Fergo on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And join me as always is the glorious League Freak, who you can find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going very well today. It's a, it's a good start to the week. Well, it's not start of the week. I guess it's the middle of the week. Probably shows where my life's at at the moment. Yeah, we don't even have calendars or know what day of the week it is. No, the, our life revolves around us. You know, we, we set the, the standard. We set the agenda. And basically, we tell people when we need them in our lives. And other than that, they can go away. Pretty much. And we don't even know what day it is until the football starts. Exactly. It's like uh, ah, Thursday. Right. Now we know where we are. Exactly. I don't even call them days anymore. I just call, call them like you day know, one. first game, second game. Yeah. Day one, round one. <clears throat> exactly. Exactly. Now, there has been some big news overnight over in, uh, over in France because it's yeah. been announced that the Catalan Dragons have signed Israel Folau, I believe, on a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. Um, big signing. The the Super League officials are uh, they were they were not overly keen on the idea, but they registered the contract anyway. So make it that what you will, I guess. See, I think that publicly they've been like, oh yeah, we're not real big fans of this, and I think privately they would be ecstatic that this has happened. Absolutely. Um, so we've got the, the official RFL statement here. It <clears throat> said, The RFL confirms that the registration of Israel Folau with Catalan Dragons will not be prevented. This is a difficult decision as the RFL places a high value on the sport's reputation in prioritising inclusion and diversity and deplores the players' previous comments. I'll get back to that in a second. However, yeah. the moral responsibility for deciding whether to sign a player sits with individual clubs the player has not been charged or found guilty of any criminal offence. Mm. However distasteful his previous comments, we don't believe that, under our current regulatory framework, these can prevent his participation in the sport. We have sought and received reassurances from both the player and the club regarding future behaviour. The RFL has taken and will continue to take action where any player breaches expected standards of behaviour while registered with the club and comments that conflict with our commitment to inclusion and diversity across the game will not be tolerated. The this constant talk about inclusion and diversity it was it was the big issue that was going on with Rugby Australia. Yeah, and you can't you can't sit there on one hand and talk about how you want to promote inclusion and diversity, while at the same time not including someone from a very devout let's go with just Catholic sort of mindset. I know he's a different religion, but it's from the same. It's, it's from the same animal. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because the, just the other day we saw Sonny Williams said he was going to cover over the uh, sponsor for Super League on his jersey because it was betting company, and that's about his religious beliefs. And people were a little bit put out by it, but that is, I guess, part of an inclusionary policy. Uh, and and there were there was not going to be any repercussions for that, Sonny Bill Williams. You an inclusion an inclusionary policy doesn't mean excluding people. You know what I mean? And no. for 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 the distasteful stuff and looked at, you know, people focus on his 
uh, homophobic message that he put out. Israel Folau basically condemned everyone that wasn't Israel Folau. I mean, he like said about people that drank alcohol and and idolised other people. Like he basically, I mean, it was a pretty broad, broad brush that he used when he sent everyone to hell. So, you know, my personal feeling is that, look, I, I, I'm not here to defend Israel Folau, but I feel as though the way that you maybe educate a person is not to toss them out forever and, and, you know, pretend they don't exist. It's more to bring them into a community and show them and educate them that, you know, the things that they, they're scared of or worried about, a lot of them are, are not founded on anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's... I don't know. It, it's I, I, I saw, and obviously there's always going to be the comparisons. But you, you, I saw something on Twitter the other day, and it was, um, it's amazing how strict the game can be on someone like Israel Folau for the comments he's made, and to some extent it's justified. Mm-hmm. But have so much leniency for people like Matthew Lodge. Yeah, and, and that's the uh, look. That's. At Super League, they would have had people saying, this is not going to be great for positive PR for us. But on the flip side, there would have been officials there that would have said, well, look, if we draw the line in the sand of, at Israel Folau saying some things that were hurtful to people, uh, how do we go about others who have actually physically hurt people? Yeah. And- Robert Lewis brings to mind. What, yeah, exactly, exactly. And if they start, you know, it's a it's a very slippery slope in that case. And look, we pointed out the hypocrisy from the Australian Rugby League in coming out and banning Israel Folau, um when they embraced people like Matthew Lodge. And I, I you know, I think if you asked anybody, um, if it if it's between somebody saying some really hurtful, horrible things to you or someone physically bashing you, I know which one I would rather have to deal with. It's not ideal. It's not great. And at the end of the day, Israel Folau is going to have to deal with um, his own issues. But it's very difficult to say that, you know, you'd be in Israel Folau and, as you say, allow a Robert Louis to play. Exactly. It's... I, I think... Too many people have been on the, you know, morally outraged bandwagon over what Israel Folau said. As, mm. as we've said, though, I don't condone or agree with anything he said. But mm. at the same time, I'm not sitting here being, you know, absolutely fucking butthurt over what he said. I just go, he said some dumb shit. I don't give a fuck. I move on with my life. I don't know why so many people feel, especially some who really weren't that, impacted by what he said anyway, have decided to make such a huge deal out of this. Um, it's it, it's nothing new. Religious people have been saying, you know, bold pronouncements and crap like this since bloody dawn of age. You know, yeah, and, why and are we getting upset and sensitive about it now? I just don't get it. Look, I said a couple of episodes ago, because we've talked about Israel Flower, I think, in four or five episodes now, because there's always something new that comes up. And I I said it, I think, a couple of times ago, 
I, I kind of don't let his opinion carry any weight. I, I kind of write it off of like, what an idiot, you know? And I think if you do that, it just takes, it takes the weight out of what he said. Um, I, I think if you make it important, then it can become important. And it, it gives him that vehicle that he's looking for. You know, that it, you know, if everyone starts saying, well, this is a pronouncement, it, it becomes something that gets a lot of coverage and stuff. If you write it off of just like, what an idiot, you know, go and play some footy. That's yeah. all it, that's all it ends up being. And I guess that's the way I look at it. <clears throat> um, you know, as I said, he said a lot of things about a lot of different sections. I mean, like homosexuality, I think, was one of about seven or eight different points that he had for people that were going to hell. So he, it was a very broad brush. And, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure when you get to the pearly gates, it isn't going to be Israel Folau standing there. No, and I, mean, I don't know. It just it just seems like an awful lot of hoo-ha over words. Um, and there weren't even words directed at specific people or they're not even words of hatred. They're just, it's just a, a broad sweeping generalization slash statement and that's it. Yeah. And just, I don't know, just to me that it had such little impact what he was saying. Um, I, I understand that a lot of people are going to get offended by it and that, that's, that's yeah. fair enough. And, yeah. and that's because they probably feel like they've been persecuted a bit harder than others. Mm-hmm. those people are justified in being upset about it a bit more than others but for the most most part I think a lot of society have overreacted to, to what he said purely because he's a big name and they just wanted to you know to- knock down a tall poppy yeah and I mean there's <clears throat> the the internet outrage culture is I mean it, it's it's crazy it's absolutely crazy um, and and Look, he did deserve to be criticised. I would. It's interesting. There were a lot of people last night that were condemning the rugby football league for allowing him to play, and uh, it was pretty late when it all all was announced and stuff like that. There's a lot of them that I I guarantee I know for certain will be lining up to watch him play in the first game. Um, you know, and, and at the end of the day, I think that a footballer or a sports star or something, when they say hurtful things, it, it's not great. But you shouldn't set your moral compass by what a footy player says. And, <laughs> I, don't, and I don't think many people do, to be honest with you. No, no, it, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I suppose on, on to the, the good news, I guess, is obviously Catalan have built themselves a pretty good side. They have, yeah. Um, I mean, James Maloney's is the big signing for them. Um, they've got some really handy plays in that team. And you add Israel Folau to it. And, and we were talking before the podcast. We did a really good podcast earlier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if they play him at fullback, you can probably move um, Tompkins into the into the halves, where I think he's better suited. I think as a 5'8", that's his position, especially in Super League. Man, they're going to be bloody hard to beat. And as I was saying before, I I would take the Catalan spine over the West Tigers one this year. That Catalan spine is going to have Falau at fullback, 
Um, and there, Tom, Tompkins and Maloney in the halves. I don't even care who they put at hooker. And I'm pretty sure they'll have one of the French test players will be at hooker. So that's that's automatically better than whatever the West Tigers will have, which will be some remodeled centre or half that'll be playing at half, playing at hooker who's never played there before. Second role, mate. You know how it works. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I don't know. This is, and it's crazy because we talked last year about how, you know, Super League was such a big step down from the NRL. Yeah. And how you'd take Gold Coast players over St. Helens players. I remember yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I honestly, I would, I would rather have, um, I, I will not rather have. I think the the Catalan spine is going to be better than the West Tigers one. I'd take the. I'd probably take the Tigers halves. Maybe. I mean, Maloney's a tough one to pass up. He is, yeah, and man, but I think the X factor is the fullback and hooker for Catalan is going to be better than the Tigers ones. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's not even close. And, and they've. Oh, look, Catalan has a hooker. Yeah. You know, the Tigers don't. Yeah. Um, and a it, yeah. It's a good point. I think if you, if you look at overall as a football club, you would definitely take the Catalans' overall situation through their spine ahead of the West Tigers, where you mm. only know who your halves are. Um, and and that was shocking when you said that. I was like, man, it, it's it's true, you know. Um, and to have that in Super League. I just don't see another team that is anywhere near that sort of quality um, through their spine. And I really do. I think that the signing, and that's why they've got him, it's one of those signings that can put you over the top. And as you were saying earlier, like because Israel Folau was a fullback in rugby union, it's probably the easiest position to switch back from, back to and from. Um, and... Like, physically, I, I've got no problems. I, I, he's going to be fine. He'll be the biggest, most athletic fullback in Super League. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how he goes, hey? It is. I, I think he'll be absolutely fine. Mm, same here. I've got no issue with him whatsoever coming across, and he'll absolutely carve up there. Um, now, there was some... Uh, there, there is a rather funny... Uh, addendum to this story, if I if I must say, um, mm. just after the Catalan Dragons made the announcement of Israel Folau on Twitter, it was only a few minutes later. The Wigan Warriors came out and re- and tweeted that um, they can confirm that their round six game against the Catalan Dragons on Sunday, the twenty second of March, will now be Pride Day as the Warriors look to support the LGBTQ community. I went, how brilliant's that? That that is, yeah. Clearly intentional, yeah. But also, I mean that that's trolling at its absolute most perfect. And they nailed it. And look, this is the this is kind of what I guess you and me are getting at to a certain extent. Instead of casting Israel for our side and saying, "Look, he's you know go away, we don't want anything to do with you," you can have him being part of the rugby league community, and then do things like this. And I, I just think this is the perfect response to that sort of thing. Um, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And it was just absolutely amazing by by Wigan. They timed it perfectly. Uh-huh. And I think we'll see other clubs do similar things. It'll probably and, happen all year. 
Yeah. Every time we play against Catalan, we'll just have Gay Pride Day. Yeah. Yeah, and it's brilliant. And it's the, I think it's the right way to combat it. I think that's what you do. Yeah, you know? it's, it's positive. And as we yep. said, I mean, we, we say this with full respect, we thought it'd be great if you, if, if you, if you knew that um, homosexual people and, and of that people of that kind upset Israel Folau, mm. then you could you could really turn up the performance and just have a, a huge gay parade going on, leading out the teams onto the field and stuff like that, and the big dance spectacular before the game kicks off, just to really throw him off if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. And and as said earlier, if he doesn't run out. And every single away game, it's not playing, it's raining men over the speakers. They're doing it wrong, okay? That's what has to be on the speakers as he's running out. Absolutely. It'd be fantastic. It really um, will be. Yeah, I, I, in all honesty, though, I, I think Wigan's done exactly the the most perfect thing here. It's clearly a, a, a swipe at flag, but it's also a very positive way of going about it. Um, and it's a positive thing that they're doing. I, I think it's you know, absolute hats off to them. Yeah, and it's it shows that rugby league doesn't turn people away. You no. know, when there's a when there's a moment where you're gonna if if you think you can question the inclusiveness of rugby league, watch what Wigan's doing. You know, watch watch what we're gonna do in this moment where you know it 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 can be a positive. It can be a a moment of like, there's this, there's a player out there that's playing footy that that doesn't like sections of the community. So we're going to embrace that them sections of the community and stand with us and cheer against him and show him that you're not going anywhere. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter what he thinks. You're here. You're standing there, and you won't be pushed away by one person's opinion. Exactly. Ah, oh, it's brilliant. I absolutely love that. Yeah. Um. So we thought we, we might even, now we've got that out of the way, we might look at, um, have a bit of a broad look, I guess, at the Super League competition because it kicks off this weekend. Yeah, it kicks off, I think it kicks off uh, our Friday or is it yeah. our Thursday night? Our Friday morning, their Thursday night. Yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, we're going to have a bit of a, a quick look, I guess, at some of the ins and outs for each club. Mm-hmm. So we might as well just go through. We'll, we'll start with Castleford. Yep. And they've picked up Sasai Fecky from the Sharks, uh, George Griffin from Salford, Tyler Heppy from Toulouse, Daryl Alfords from Salford, and Danny Richardson from St. Helens. And they've had a bit of a clean-out. They've lost Corey Aston, Mitch Clark, Chris Clarkson, uh, Toyo Igodo, Luke Gale, Greg Minikin, Will Maher, Jake Sweeting, and Jamie Ellis. It's going to be really interesting with uh, Castleford because... They've been there or thereabouts, and they haven't been able to get over that hump and and really go to that next level. Um, you know, I, I don't think that the players that they've signed scream that that's about to happen. But if with a bit of a clean out like that, they've obviously felt like they needed to make a few changes. And it, it, I find that when a, a team is in a situation like that, it either goes really well or really poorly. So it's going to be a really interesting season for for Castleford in that sense. Yeah, well, I mean, Luke Gale's probably the only one I thought they they might have hung on to. He, you know, their halfback, he's gone to Leeds. Mm. Um, other than that, they they lost three players to to Hull KR and two to London. So 
Um, I, I can only assume that they must be they must have a good amount of juniors coming through they want to hang on to and, and promote up into the grade. So this might be a year where they do a bit of rebuilding and, and work towards that. Yeah, and, and that's the thing about Castford. They are one of those teams that can produce young players. Unfortunately, they lose a lot of players. Like, and a lot of the time they end up at, at Leeds. But mm. uh, we'll see. that. I think that this Super League season, for them... There was probably a point where they felt like they could have been a real challenger. And I think now that we've seen a few improvements in other clubs, it's the, the mountain's a little bit harder to climb for them. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll see how they end up. I think that they'll probably make the finals, but uh, it's a little bit harder now. Yeah. Uh, on to Catalans, they've signed... Tom Davies from Wigan, Josh Drinkwater from Hull KR, James Maloney from Penrith, Joel Tompkins from Hull KR, and Israel Folau from Rugby Australia. Uh, and they've let go of Jody Broughton, Greg Bird's retired, Kenny Edwards, Tony Gigo has been released, which is a bit of a surprise, and Braden Williami and Matty Smith. I feel as though they're the favourites, eh? Geez, they're, they're, they've made some good, strong, positive changes to their side. Um, yeah. I thought they might have hung on to, to Tony G, uh, I think it's Gigo or Gigo. Mm. Um, very talented fullback and half. And he just got released. I don't know. He hasn't even got a club yet, I don't think. Yeah, and like, and look, you can see why. If I would love to know how long ago they knew they were going to get Israel Folau. Mm. Because I bet it probably lined up with releasing him. Um, because, yeah, as we said earlier, their spine is, is pretty much set. And I think it's the best one in Super League. And they've been a, a little bit like the Castleford Tigers. They've been there or thereabouts. Maloney's a winner everywhere he's gone. I mean, even at Penrith, he, he did wonderful things for the club at Penrith. Um, so he's a he's an out-and-out winner. Israel Folau is like top-level talent in his own right. Um, I, man, they're going to be really hard to beat. Yeah. Um, they've really beefed up their forwards too, so they're going to be they are going to be very strong. Yeah, um, wouldn't be surprised if they're if they're one of the top three teams this year. Yeah, I think they'd they expect to be. Um, I guess depth and and consistency is what you're looking at in terms of like the minor premiership and all that sort of thing. I, I think that they're going to be one or two. I, I think that it's them and St Helens. You know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It'd be it'd be great for the game, both in France and for Super League, if if Castleford could get the title, get it out of the hands of those top three. Sorry, um, Catalan. Oh yeah, um, yeah. It's uh, and just get it out of the hands of the of the usual three teams that are always there. Yeah, and especially if they could do it, and I I don't know uh, the status of it all, but if they did it in the same year that um, Toulouse. One promotion, that'd be incredible. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Um, Huddersfield, they've brought in Kenny Edwards from Catalan, James Gavay from the Knights, Ashton Golding from Leeds, Owen Trout from Leeds, and Aidan Caesar from the Raiders, and they've lost Sebastian Ikehifo, Alex Mellor, Cruz Leeming, and Matt Frawley. So, I'll say this. Mm-hmm. Picking up Aidan Caesar is an improvement over Matt Frawley, who they had there in the halves. Yeah. Um, very good goal kicker as well, which is going to be helpful. 
Yeah. Um, Edwards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Gave's not a bad signing. If, um, if he can stay consistent and on the field, he'll be one of the, the better props out there, without a doubt. But I think they've made. I think they've definitely upgraded on the players that they've got rid of. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's enough to see them being a threat yet. Yeah, I, I agree one hundred percent. It's it's an improvement, but I don't think it's enough of an improvement to be thinking about going anywhere in terms of this season. I think that Caesar, that's probably his level is Super League. Um, it wouldn't be shocking if he had an awesome year, uh, I, especially like overall as a, a goal kicker. If he if he's their main goal kicker, like he'll score a lot of points. And yeah, like I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, partway through the season, people were saying, "Oh, Aiden Caesar is world class," but yeah, I, I don't think it's enough to really improve them to a point where you're thinking about, you know, even they they might make the finals if things go their way, but it, it's even then, it's a, a pretty tall order. Yeah, they're going to be there's going to be a pretty tough challenge going on for that. Seventh to tenth sort of spot on the ladder, and they'll yeah. be in, the, in that hunt. Yeah. Uh, Hull FC. Mm, the old bottle throwers. <laughs> They've brought in Joe Kator from Lee, Mahe Fanua from the Tigers, Jordan Johnson from Witness, jo- uh, Josh Jones from Salford, Manu Ma'u from Parramatta, Liggy Sound from the Warriors, and Adam Swift from St Helens. And they've let go of Chris Green, Dean Hadley, Jez Litton, Jack Logan, Sika Manu, Mark Minicello. Levi Nzungu, I'm assuming. Sorry if I got your name wrong. Mickey Payer, Danny Washbrook, and Joe Westerman. They've got a fair bit of churn there. Yeah, there was a few. There's some of them players were on their way out, though. To be honest, like some older dudes. I yeah, fi- three, I, I, three of them retired: Manu, Minicello, and Payer. Yeah, yeah. Look, I as a Hull FC fan, I kind of feel like it's a sideways move to a certain extent. Um. I don't know. It doesn't fill me with confidence. I'll say that much. Um, you never know with Hull FC. Hull FC is one of those weird teams. Funnily enough, they're a bit like Penrith. Like, in terms of you could go into a season and someone could convince you that they were going to have a terrible season, but they, with the exact same squad, they could probably also convince you that they're going to go not too bad as well. And, and yeah. that's the way I feel about Hull FC this year. It looks to me though they've they've basically been moving around deck chairs. They haven't really been moved. They haven't, they haven't fiddled too much with the spine and the key playmakers. They've only been yeah. fiddling with centers and forwards. So I, I still I, I I kind of agree with you there. It is kind of a sideways move. There's nothing really. They've there's no huge upgrade or downgrade anywhere there. No, no. And like probably it's a bit of cap space though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But it feels like it's a sort of steady as she goes move. And I feel as though Hull FC needed to do a little bit more than that this off-season. Yeah. Um, Hull KR, my goodness, mm. they've had some changes. Mm. Brace yourself. Okay, we've got Jordan Abdul is in from the Broncos, Matty G from the Broncos, Dean Hadley from Hull, Sean Kenny Dow from the Knights, Joe Keyes from the Bulls, Jez Litton from Hull FC, Harvey Levitt from the Wolves on loan, Will Maher from the Casper Tigers, Rowan Milnes from the Bulls, Elliot Minchella from Bradford as well, Greg Minikin from Castleford, 
Anasu Mudoti from the Bulls, Dan Murray from Salford, Matt Parcell from Leeds, Nick Rawson from Toronto, Ethan Wright from Bradford, Matty Stoughton from Bradford, Kyle Trout from Dewsbury, Ryan Brealey from Toronto, and Jamie Ellis from Castleford are all in. And Jeez. out is Chris Atkin, Josh Drinkwater, James Greenwood, Craig Hall, Ryan Lennon, Tommy Lee, Sean Lunt, Danny Maguire, Ryan Shaw, Danny Addy, Joel Tompkins, Will Oakes, He's gone to Dewsbury on loan. Elliot Wallace has gone to York on loan. Jimmy Kinehorse is to York on loan. And Adam Rooks has gone to Brook, uh, Bradford on loan. So if you're a whole KR fan, whoever you saw last year, they're not playing for you this year. <laughs> My God, what turnover. Yeah, I can't think of any club that's ever done that before. If you have that much turnover in a year, I'm sorry, but I, I give you zero chance of having any impact because it's going to take you a good season to get all of that all of those combinations to gel and work together. Yeah, unless you've had an absolutely catastrophic season. And look, if you had one in Super League, you'd get relegated. Unless yeah. you have an absolutely catastrophic season, I can't imagine why you would do that. That's such an immense amount of turnover. Yeah. Look, mean, can you insane. imagine if the, if the West Tigers just completely changed every single player in their squad and it was a completely different team the next year, it'd be bloody weird. Yeah, it's crazy. It's uh, I haven't seen anything like that in a long time. Yeah, I can't look, I can't remember it ever happening. I'm trying to think if... I, I just can't remember it ever happening at a club. I think whole KR, given all of that turnover, and this is not a, a criticism of any of the players. It's more the fact that you can't have that much turnover and expect to have success because mm. it's just a whole heap of strangers playing together for the first time. Yeah, uh, I expect them to have a slow start, and if, if they can avoid relegation, I think that will be a successful year for them, and I dare say this is a team that they're building for next season and the year ahead from there. But uh, it's going to be a tough year, I think, this year. It's a gamble in that sense, too, because... I agree with you. They'll be better for it in the long term. You can't plan for the long term in Super League, especially when you're at this sort of level that Hull KR's at too. Yeah. Um, man, uh, if they got relegated, it'd be devastating because they would have to get rid of a lot, most of those yeah. players. Half those players would then have to leave again. Yeah. Uh, man, it's going to be a really interesting season for them. Yeah. One thing's for certain, Hull FC's better overall in every sense of the the thought of as a club than Hull KR, yeah. and their supporters that. are just better people in general. That's right. I can't argue with that. I mean, if I did, I'd, I'd be axed on this part of the podcast anyway. For Leeds Rhinos, in Luke Gale from Castleford, Alex Mello from Huddersfield, Cruz Leeming from Huddersfield, and Matt Pryor from the Sharks. And they've lost Carl Ablett, who's retired, Brett Ferrers, Ashton Golding, Jamie Jones Buchanan has retired, Matt Parcell, Nathan Petteru, Brad Singleton, Trent Merrin, Owen Trout, and Wellington Albert has gone to Featherston Rovers on loan. Um, they needed to have a bit of a clean out after a few lean years by their standards. Um, yeah, I remember they've made some pretty good. That was made some pretty fair signings, to be honest. They haven't gone over the top, but they've bulked up the forwards, and they've got a good half in Luke Gale there. I wonder what the like. Obviously, they're not producing talent, uh, junior talent. 
Um, anywhere Kevin Sinfield goes as a director of rugby, it turns to shit, hey? Is he still there? I think he is, yeah. Oh, so that's that's the song they need to get rid of. Maybe they could offload him to the Dragons in, in Sydney. <laughs> he couldn't do worse than what they've done. Um, well, you know, he, he might go so bad that he might actually be able to get Paul McGregor sacked and then they can just get rid of Sinfield afterwards. Yeah, he's like a fixer in that sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just not inspired at all by their signings, to be honest with you. And I, I, I'd be kind of shocked if they made the finals. I think they'll get there. I think they've got enough quality there. Um, And to me, they've released a lot and brought in nowhere near as much. So I think they might be, you know, charging up to to make a few big-name signings for next season. It would be. That's what they need. They need to... And look, I think the thing with Leeds, and it was a similar thing that has happened with pretty much all of the clubs that have had extended success, maybe outside of St. Helens, they have a team that wins, uh, the good times are rolling, and then those players end up leaving and things like that. And it, it just, the there's nothing underneath it, you know? Yeah. And I think it just shows what Super League kind of is. It's, they haven't, they haven't had reserve grades. The junior development pathways have been utter trash. Um, and I think that there's also been a problem with, holding on to a, a players for a year longer than they should, or even two or three years longer than they should have, rather than blooding youngsters and bringing through new players and things like that. Um, it hit Bradford worst of all by a long, long way. And I think that's just what Leeds are going through, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, if they, they've avoided falling out the bottom of Super League, which is good because you don't want to see that happened to any club, but, uh, I, I, you know, they're having to rebuild and I feel like they don't really know what they need to do to rebuild. Like if I was at Leeds, I would say it, it should all be about juniors because they're going to be able to attract good juniors to the club. But then where do you play those juniors? Like their junior development systems in the UK are really, really poor. Um, and if you get anybody that's, a proper outstanding junior, they tend to want to go to to Australia. Yeah, yeah, obviously because they're going to nowadays too. They're going to get paid more to go over there, and they're going to get better opportunities too. Mm, mm. Um, so I, it's a real difficult situation for a club like Leeds to be in. Um, but you know, I, I guess, and this is the weird thing. I guess as long as you avoid relegation in Super League and you're in the position that Leeds are in, you chalk it up as a win, which isn't how the bloody competition should be. No, it's not. Um, Salford, they've had a fair few ins and outs as well. Yeah. Not as much as Hull KR, but uh, coming into the side, Chris Atkin from Hull KR, Kevin Brown from Warrington, James Greenwood for Hull KR, Sebastian Ikehifo from the Giants, Elliot Keir from the Broncos, Connor Jones from Featherston, Ryan Lannan from Hull KR, Jack Ormondroyd from Featherston, Paulie Paulie from Wakefield, Dan Sargentson from Wigan, Riss Williams from London, and Luke Yates also from the Broncos. And they've lost Jake Bibby, George Griffin, Jackson Hastings, Josh Jones, Dan Murray, Daryl Olfert, Logan Tonkins, and Josh Wood. And obviously Hastings is the big one there. 
Mm. Uh, he had a fantastic year last year. It's going to be hard to replace him. Um, I guess they kind of. I was going to say they've lost quite a few decent players, so I'd, yeah, I'm I'm wondering just how well they will go in uh, in 2020. Yeah, it's a real shame because they they captured a little bit of something special last year, and I mean that's a massive turnover for a squad once again. Um, I hope especially they don't, after, especially after having such a good year. You you would have thought they would have done everything to try and keep that that squad together as much as they could. Well, yeah, and I, look, I think that obviously once the other clubs come knocking at the door, it was going to be hard to keep Hastings because that's just how Super League works, especially for a club like uh, Salford who doesn't have the financial backing anymore to to be able to hold on to players that you really have to hold on to. Um, I hope it doesn't all fall apart for them. I, I want to see them stay in Super League, but... Oh, man, you could see where it could go wrong really quickly for them, which is really concerning because, as you say, last year was great for them. Um, we'll move on to St. Helens, and mm-hmm. they've brought in no one. <laughs> they've got they've a new coach, of, though. Well, that's true. They've let go of Liam Cooper, Luke Douglas, Ryan Morgan, Danny Richardson, and Adam Swift. Yeah, uh, I I don't think that's going to hurt them too much. So I dare say they're going to replace those guys with um with some young up and coming juniors. True, and that's the thing that St Helens have done better than everyone else. They've they've looked at younger players and juniors and bringing them through. They've also had a lot of stability as just as a club overall. Um, the new coach he'll, he'll come in, he'll be fine. Uh, I think that they've lost. I think that. A couple of months ago, they would have been pretty confident. I think that they've probably lost the march to Catalan, though, in terms of who should be favourites. Yeah. Now, the next one is Toronto, who have been promoted. Mm-hmm. They've brought in James Cunningham from London, Brad Singleton from Leeds, and, of course, Sonny Bill Williams from the Auckland Blues rugby union side. And they've lost Bob Beswick, Nick Rawson, Ashton Sims, Ryan Brealey, and Greg Worthington has gone to Featherstone on loan. Uh, they, they're going to be one of the best-performing promoted sides Super League's going to know. You would think so, yeah. It's hard to know. Like, I, if you use your head, you sort of think, well, I think they'll be just above the relegation zone. And I wouldn't be shocked if they looked like they were in the relegation area or they ended up in the relegation fight if they made a couple of really good signings, like really, really good ones from, like, say, the NRL, um, maybe someone off contract or, you know, somebody that... Remember when Jamie Soud went over to, to Super League? London, and, yeah. Yeah, I, like a signing like that. Um, so that'll be interesting to see as the season goes on. I, I'd be kind of shocked if they made the finals, but... You know, I, I wouldn't count this Toronto team out completely doing something like that at the same time. I, like th- I, I think they'll be enough to reach the eight. You reckon? Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how big of an impact Sonny Bill Williams can make on the field. Um, I don't think he's going to have that immense of an impact on the field. 
Mm. Um, but it's more the fact that they've they've made very few changes to to the squad that got them into the into the Super League. Mm. Um, and that that sort of cohesion is going to help them an awful lot uh, this season. So yeah. Yeah, that's. I think, I think that's what's going to work in their favour because a lot of these sides are having a lot of changes. They're going to have slow starts, and I think Toronto might capitalise on that a bit. That's a good point. And that, like last year, I mean, they were a Super League team last year playing in the in the first division. Yeah, so they that, were class above. Yeah, so I mean, you've got to remember that too, I guess. But uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they go and and things like the crowds that they get in the UK, I think they'll get really big crowds at home. I mean, their crowds at home are fantastic anyway. Yeah. But uh, it's just going to be a fun season to watch them. And I, I really am interested to see what Sonny Boo Williams does on the field because I don't think he's going to tear Super League apart, um, which might disappoint some people. But I, I just hope he plays the majority of their games. I'd be happy yeah. with that. Yeah. If he plays, if he plays solid footy every week, then he'll be having, you know, Toronto will be playing pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wakefield have got a few changes. They've brought in Ryan Atkins from Warrington, Chris Green from Hull FC, Jay Pitts from the Broncos, Adam Tangata from Halifax Online, Alex Walker from the Broncos, Brad Walker from Witness, Joe Westman from Hull FC, and Josh Wood from Salford, and they've let go of Chris Anakin, Anthony England, Keegan Hurst, Luke Hooley. Paulie Paulie, Tyler Randall, Brad Walker, and who's gone to Newcastle Thunder on loan, and Lewis Ray, who's gone to Keeley Cougars. Uh, I think for them, their signings are pretty much, for the most part, they're all upgrades on what they let go, which is a good yeah. sign. Yeah, not, not, not a bad off-season for them. Mm. Um, and I think they needed to do that too. Like, they, they needed to be able to make that step up um, I wonder, because obviously there's that rivalry with Castleford and the, the last few years, I mean, Wakey's been, you know, the, the poorer side of that. It'd be cool to see them be able to challenge Castleford and, you know, pull one on Castleford's chin every so often. That'd make it for a fun season between those two. Absolutely. Uh, moving on to Warrington, another one who's made some big signings this year. Um, they've brought him... Matty Ashton from Swinton, Keenan Brand from Winners, Anthony Jelling from also from Winners, Sammy Kibula from Wigan, and Gareth Widdop. And they've let go of Ryan Atkins, Kevin Brown, Bryson Goodwin, Harvey Livett has gone to Holkar alone, Lamatasi, and Ben Westwood. You know, I, I think if if you you know if you had Widdop fully fit, you'd probably say overall they made because he's a really quality signing, really good player, you'd say they have improved. But the fact that he's already having injury problems, it's it's not good. I'm wondering if you play him at fullback over there to try and keep him out of the defensive line a bit. Mm. And still, that way you still get his attacking prowess. But he just has to do a little bit less work in defence. Because that's part of being part of the problem. He's been in the in the forwards doing a bit more defence. His shoulders are gone. Mm. Maybe getting him out of fullback might help him a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point. I, the thing that the thing is though, if I'm if I'm signing Gareth Widdop as a Super League club, I'm thinking to myself, 
straight away I've got one of the best halves in the competition. And I think once you've got one of the best halves in the comp, you're in with the shot. Mm. Whereas I think if you're playing at fullback, you lose that advantage over everyone else a little bit. You know, obviously you can come up in the line and play in the line, but um, I, I think it just takes a bit of an edge off the, the edge that you all of a sudden had a, over everyone else. Yeah. Uh, sorry, go on. No, as I was saying, that's true. It's uh, it's just one of those things where I suppose you've got to try and figure out how do we get, um, you know, bang for buck out of him as, and keep him healthy and fit on the field while also getting value out of him on the field when he's there. Yeah, and look, the thing is too that, if somebody said to you, Gareth Widdop's going to have to retire after three months, you wouldn't be shocked, would you? No, nah, poor Bo has just been smashed by injuries in the last yeah. few years. Yeah, so, um, and that's what this, that's what it all comes down to. If he's fit, he plays a good season. They're a top four side, I think, just because yep. of him. Uh, but if they don't, uh, who knows what happens to Warrington's season. It could be really disappointing. I hope it's not. I love watching Gareth Widdop play. He's such a good player. He's phenomenal. Um, finally, we've got Wigan. They've brought in Jake Bibby from Salford, George Burgess from South Sydney, Mitch Clark from Castleford, and Jackson Hastings also from Salford, and uh, Kai Pierce Paul from the London Broncos, and let go of Tom Davies, Sammy Kibula, Dan Sargison, George Williams, and Jared Samet. Yeah, it's a, I mean, they've upgraded. Especially they, if, George, if George Burgess turns up and he's... He just captures some form, um, and he could very easily just be terrible for them. But if he decides to turn up and and put in once again, they could they'd be a top three side, I think. Yeah, the thing with George Burgess, I find is um, he he tends to play at the level of his opposition instead of playing at his absolute best. Yeah. So if if he's come up and up against a, a crappy opposition, then you'll play to their level and just you know make sure he's matching them. Whereas mm-hmm. those yeah those two seasons with South there a few years back where he was just unbeatable, and oh, he just came up and he was just he was just a fucking tank. He just wanted to steamroll through everything. If he goes to Wigan and plays like that, um, they'll they'll win. They'll win the chan- They'll win the title at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, one, no one will contain him. Yeah, and I mean, maybe the best big man try scorer close to the line, like it just a. He's got this weird effort to break through the line and score to, like close range tries. Um, Hastings is obviously a fantastic signing for them. I think that being at Wigan, he'll go up another level. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, it, but a lot of it does rely on George Burgess. And as you say, his motivation weirdly seems to come from external factors rather than from within. Um, I would. I wonder if Hastings can drag that out of him. Because Hastings has a bit of that about him where he's like, you know, he, he's he's the sort of player, he's one of those players that can motivate other players. And it'd be cool if he could do that with Burgess and and get the best out of him. Um, but you never know. But yeah, I, I like them signings for Wigan. And they, I, as I said, I think top three for them. And if it all hooks up, wouldn't be shocked if they won it. No, not at all. Um, and Hastings does like to to roam through the middle and out wide a bit too. So, and George mm. can play a little bit wide for a front rower. So, they could provide quite a good quite a good little link up there on the just on the edge of the ruck. 
Yeah, yeah. And, man, I, I really, really hope he turns up to play. It'd be so much fun to watch Wigan if he does. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, they've, they've, they've signed pretty well. Um, and Hastings, is, he'll, he'll, be a, he'll be more than a capable replacement for uh, the loss of George Williams, who's gone to the Raiders. Yeah, definitely, 100%. Um, I mean, he's an upgrade. I think so. He's, he's definitely an upgrade. Um, I, I think that the, the, the Raiders would swap him right now. It, truth be told. Um, and the way, look, Super League is a really good place for him. Um, yeah. You know, so, and we saw what he did last year. I think Wigan fans should be pretty excited going into this season. I fully agree, fully agree. I think I think they're going to be in for a good year. They've they had a few sort of shaky seasons there. I think that's, they're now behind them, especially if George can pull his finger out and rip in. Yeah, 100%. Right, well, that's been a pretty good look at the uh, at the the Super League season, which will be getting underway this week. So, um, how's that for you, English fans? We're looking after you. Yeah, we uh, we don't forget our pommy soap dodging fans. Um, we love them. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, I did have one other little um, addition to a story we did in our last episode about uh, you know the Curtis Scott story. Yes, there's a story that came out today that said. The reason why Curtis Scott couldn't be contacted by Raiders officials is because he allegedly threw his phone at a passing car before he was arrested. <laughs> there's, a oh, picture man. Of, there's a picture of Curtis Scott that goes with the article. He's wearing his uh, Canberra Raiders uh, training gear. Yeah. And their major sponsor is Huawei Mobile Phone. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So he, I suppose they'll be hoping that he had a Nokia or a Samsung in his hand and not one of their phones, because that won't go down too well. Yeah, it's... Uh, imagine well, imagine earning enough where you could be comfortable throwing your phone at anything, hey? Exactly. Like, I, I treat my phone like it's made out of crystal. <laughs> and, like, and touch wood, I don't tend to smash phones up. Uh but yeah, I, the thought of just throwing your phone at something because it's anger gel, like what the hell, man? Yeah, that that that's pretty intense. Yeah, uh, he's really stuffed it up going into this year. I don't think he's going to be playing football for a long time, hey? Yeah, oh no, it's uh, it's interesting. Now, there's another article which I've just seen on the NRL website just now. Yeah. It says on here, the West Tigers and the Storm are poised to pull off the NRL's first loan deal with Paul Momorowski and Harry Grant to swap clubs in 2020 while being paid by their current employers. I tell you what, if that deal goes ahead, yeah. West Tigers will lock down ninth because Harry Grant is possibly the best young uh, nine out there coming through. That would be a phenomenal decision by the Tigers. They can't afford to lose a centre, yeah. but... If they lose one and pick up Harry Grant, then I'll take that. As I'd love to see Harry Grant in West Tigers colours, absolutely. Man, it's a it's a. Uh, if you're the Storm, it's a, it's a good thing because they probably can't give him as much first grade time as he needs, right? Exactly. But you do risk him 
liking Sydney and enjoying his teammates and finding a home, you know. Um, so the but it, you know what that would change if if that loan deal works and they do get him the first grade time he needs and then they're able to bring him back to the storm um, when Cameron Smith retires, obviously. It would change, I think, the way we see things done in the NRL a little bit because I can't think of another situation ever where that's happened. Can you think of another situation where that's happened, especially in recent history? Never before. Problem mm-hmm. I've got with this, though, is that we'd have to give Harry Grant back, and I, I don't want that. So, yeah. Because I'm confident that if that deal went ahead and Harry Grant started the year at the West Tigers at hooker, mm. Jacob Little won't play first grade this year. Yeah. Harry well, Grant will play 80 minutes and he'll play every game every week. The only reason why Little will play is if Grant gets injured. Yeah, and that, like, there'd just be, it'd be silly. It'd be silly to have uh, a young bloke who's a good young bloke playing hooker and then, I mean, Little's not, Little isn't that good. He's not that sort of player where you'd say, oh, yeah, you come straight back into the side. He's. Problem we've got with Little is he, he has all the potential, but he just hasn't had a chance to show up because he's just been injured so damn often. Mm. Um, so he's definitely not an 80 minute player yet. And he's been playing for four years, just constant injuries. And yeah. Grant's a, Grant is just ready to go. And if, if that happens, um, he'll lock down that spot. Uh, so the worst will be having to give him back. Yeah, I wonder is the loan deal just for this year, does it say? It appears like it'll be just for this year. Okay. Because it makes you wonder, like, you look at the West Tigers. I mean, that definitely, they they were going into the season without a hooker. So it's obviously an improvement. Um, yeah, and I would say, especially with, if he can hook up quickly with uh, Brooks, and, like, Benji's not going to have a problem and Benji's obviously the X factor in that team with his experience and everything. They start to push toward, you know, it's ninth place, man. <laughs> I know, I you see, Grant, Grant has all of the playmaking abilities and the short kicking game mm. of, of Robbie Farrah. He's also got a, I'd say, he's, I'd actually say he's got a better running game than Robbie Farrah. Mm-hmm. But Robbie Farrah's probably a better defender. Mm-hmm. Um, but in attack, uh, Grant would take so much pressure off the halves that, yeah, I mm. think Brooks would, Brooks would love it. Yeah. They'd link up very well indeed. And, and it'd work well with Benji as well because that's the sort of hooker he's used to, obviously. He's, he's someone like Farrah, a genuine playmaker in the nine. He's got a good short kicking game. Grant's got all that. Um, it's it's amazing. It'd be, that'd be a great pickup for the Tigers. Um, it'd be good if they could hang on to him, but, you know... You'll take what you can get, I guess. Yeah, and the thing is, too, if, like, obviously, it, it it's a massive addition for them this year. And I also like the thought uh, as a club, like, you get a good young player like that, you've got a whole year where he's, he's in your club and you, you've got a year to convince him. Because if, they conv- if he likes it, and we've seen it, he'll get out of his Storm contract. I don't care what deal they've got with the Storm. They'll be able to sort something out, even if it's, uh, you know, they just pay out his contract or they give cash to the Storm, whatever it is. Um, They'll work something out. 
And yeah, I like the idea of get him on board, bring him in, and and make you make give him a home. You know, um, I tell you what, if they could if they could get a big bopper up front, and I I don't know if there's any on the market or any that they could get from another club, get a big bopper, move some of the dead cal- salary cap space that they've got in reserve grade, and maybe upgrade at fullback too. That would be a big change for them this year. Like then yeah. you would start thinking, top, like the lower part of the top eight is possible. If they, could, if they could get rid of that, all that garbage they've got tied up in the uh, lower grades, and you know, Russell Packer and Josh Reynolds' money, all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of money tied up there. If they can buy themselves with that money, two NRL props and a fullback, mm. that that's a, that's a much different side, a much yeah. stronger, much better side. And then all they've got to do next year, I guess, is, is find themselves a genuine nine. It doesn't yeah. have to be an NRL world-class nine. Just a genuine nine who can defend and can take a little bit of uh, kick pressure off uh, off Brooks. So Brooks doesn't have to do all the kicking. Yeah, and but not suppose... a player that another club is trying to get rid of. Jeez. Yeah. Like... And that's the other problem they've got next year is they're going to have to, obviously... If this loan goes ahead, that's good for this year. But next year, they're still going to find a, a hooker if Little doesn't get better. Yeah. Um, if Little does come good and stays good, mm-hmm. that's going to be huge for the Tigers because then all they've got to focus on next year is getting a genuine six. You know it's going to be interesting. We're going to know where this is headed at about April, May. Because if they start looking at other hookers, they know they're not going to be able to keep Grant. Uh, yeah. And they've got no faith in, in Little coming back. Or be at least him being the man for them at nine. Um, so we're going to know pretty early in the year where they're going with this. Um, if they don't start, look, man, I, I guess it. I guess it is. Well, yeah, I was saying it last year, and I thought that, well, while the Storm do have Brandon Smith ready to go at nine. Yeah. Harry Grant is their long-term option there because he's just such a he's he's such a better playmaker. Yeah, and Brandon Smith is probably going to end up being, yeah, you know, a lock or something like that, where he can still do some of his playmaking stuff and fill in at hooker from time to time, kind of like Ryan Hinchcliffe was. Yeah, he's going to be that, he's going to fill that sort of a role because Grant is as an attacker, he's above and beyond what Brandon Smith is, and that's not that's mm. not a slur on Brandon Smith. He's a good hooker, mm. but Grant is just that much more. And I think the problem the Storm are going to have is that if he has this, if this loan goes ahead and he plays for the Tigers and plays all year, um, a lot of clubs are going to be coming around wanting to pay him big money. And I don't know if the Storm are going to be able to fork out as much as they want to for him or whether they're going to be able to compete with what other clubs are going to want to throw around him because I wouldn't be surprised if he starts getting offered huge coin. Yeah, and I, I think uh, I think he deserves it for sure. And that's the thing I'd be saying if I was a club and I wanted Smith, uh, Brandon Smith, I'd be saying, look, the Storm have their young bloke. They're, they're not going to get rid of him. They want him on just on a loan deal, but he's a first grader in the, even their eyes. And, you know, Cameron Smith has moved aside and you're not the hooker. They want you in that back row. And with his style of play... I think playing in the back row for him is going to wear him down pretty quickly in his career. I'd say to him, look, you can be the starting hooker at our club. and If the job's yours, do you want it? 
or do you want to just stand up being a utility player for the Storm? And that's yeah. what I'll put to him. Um, just, I think that's a similar issue that the Roosters may get with Victor Radley. Yeah, yeah. You know, in both cases too, um, both clubs have got a old captain at hooker mm-hmm. who's sort of holding up the progression for the younger bloke to come through who's already ready to be there. So interesting to see how they how they manage those those two clubs, I guess. Yeah, it really is. I guess the good thing, if you're as a West Tigers fan, you, there are these options out there. And, you know, it, it'd, I think it'd be hard to get Radley from the Roosters, but Brandon Smith is definitely... But as you say, there's going to be a lot of clubs looking at him. A lot of clubs. Yeah. Um, especially up in Queensland. Don't be surprised if the Broncos make a big play for him because I, I believe he's a, he's from the Brisbane sort of region, so... Oh, really? Yeah. We see if, like, if you look it up from the Broncos or a Broncos perspective, can you imagine him with that young forward pack, which is, like, if they keep improving, they're going to be, like, blasting teams in two or three years' time, if not this year. Uh, You put Brandon Smith in there at hooker. They've got uh, Croft in the halves. I mean, you know, Milford, who is a great change-up, at five eight, oh my goodness, they'd be good. They, sh- they should have been a top four team last year. In all honesty, um, yeah, I think the uh, I, look. I think that uh, the youth obviously hurts them a bit, and it, and it comes into uh, their consistency a lot. Um, and once they get that consistency down, uh, it's so exciting to think about what they could become. Certainly is. Now, speaking of the future, in two yes. weeks' time, we've got the Nines on. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, are you excited for the Nines? Not really, but uh, I'm excited about the fact we'll get to see some football and watch some watch some decent sport for a change. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's not much happening in sport at the moment. Um, I mean, so much so, I'm, I will be watching the English Super League on this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to try and watch a few games of Super League this weekend too. Maybe we could do a live, depending on what time the games are on, we could do... Uh, some... 6 a.m. Oh, Friday that. Friday morning, 6 a.m. and then Saturday morning, 6 a.m. I think are when the games are on live, the night ones. Yeah, our fans can get stuffed. I'm sleeping in. It's yeah, the nines look. It, it's a it's going to be fun, as you said, to watch a bit of footy. As a Panthers fan, I'm not kind of thinking. Oh, I hope we win the nines or anything like that. And I think that comes from the fact that it's just the NRL clubs. Like if there were other clubs involved or other nations or invitational teams or something, I'd be a lot more excited. But I think the fact that it's the just the NRL teams just doesn't do it for me, especially having gone to the the uh, World Cup of Nines last year, which I loved. I thought that was sensational. Um, just seeing the same old 16 NRL clubs, it's just a bit ho-hum. Yeah. All righty. Well, any other news you want to you want to bring up, mate? Is there anything else you want to chat about? No, I think that's it. It was uh, – it's funny, Israel Folau back in the news again. Um it's going to be really, really interesting to see how that all plays out over this season. 
I would wonder if Super League said to the Catalan Dragons or to Israel Folau's management, look, we're going to okay this, but this is the fine you're going to receive if you post some bullshit oh, on Instagram. What the, uh, the, the Super League executive chairman, Robert Elstone, said that... Um... Israel Flowers is a free agent who has the right to work and he has not been charged or found guilty of any criminal offence. Catalan Dragons have assured Super League that strict guidelines are in place to prevent the player from repeating his comments. They've also assured us that his contract will be terminated immediately should he do so. Mm-hmm. So that must be in the agreement that Israel Flowers agreed to, that if he says anything stupid, um, then he will get sacked on the spot and he won't get a payout like he did from Rugby Australia. That's interesting. And now, now that the two follow-ups to that, right? If he's playing rugby league for the Catalan Dragons and he's, he's played a whole season, there's no reason why he shouldn't be allowed to play test football for, for Tonga, right? Agreed. And I can't see any reason why they can't just keep putting that sort of clause in his contract. You want the privilege yeah. of playing this game at this level and, and the money and the prestige that comes with it, then we need you to shut your mouth when it comes to you know your your religious pronouncements and stuff. But, but, but do you draw the line because obviously he does sermons at, at his church. I don't what, mind if he does the sermons because they are behind closed doors and that's private. But they put um, them out there. They put them out there on video. Well, it's still still in a court of worship, a court, you know, a house of worship and stuff like that. So I don't mind if he says it in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm not opposed to that because that's part of his religious stuff. It's yeah. going to get said by someone else there. I don't, I've got no issue with it. But yeah. if, if I was Israel Folau, though, after what had happened, I'd be being very careful about all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'd just be making sure that I'm not seen to be saying anything bad, whether I, you know, even if I wanted to. I think he can't help himself, hey? Yeah. I think, I, I, I'm almost certain he'll do something. I reckon he'll be, he'll be on his best behaviour this year. Really? And then I think you'll probably find that he'll get a three-year deal with another Super League club next year. Well, that's my, that's that's when he'll watch up. If he has a good season for the Catalan Dragons and he behaves himself and he's in rugby league already, how does the NRL say no to him? Because the they, NRL, they, club, NRL clubs don't care. Like, they, they don't give a shit about any moral stuff at all. They really don't. No. So if he has a good season, he shows he's still got it. He's going to be 32, which is something to keep in mind. But if if he shows he's still got it and an NRL club offers him a contract and he's been playing for the Catalan Dragons, and I'm almost certain he'll play for Tonga if he's playing for the Catalan Dragons, uh, I don't see how the NRL can say, no, we're the ones, and it be legal. Yeah, I I don't think the NRL will ever allow him back. Yeah, I think he'll only be playing in the Super League, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a he behaves himself this year. He gets himself a two or three year deal at another club in England, probably a, a big name club, Leeds perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll behave himself in the first year, get picked for Tonga in the World Cup, and then the second year he'll probably say something stupid and throw it all away. <laughs> That's my I, I, that's my prediction. Two years of good Israel Folau plays in the World Cup, plays well, and then after that he goes stupid. I, I like that timeline. I like it. <laughs> Although for rug, rugby league, the rugby league timeline would be he plays Wolf Catalan, shuts up, right? Yeah. And then 
he might even like it in southern France. Signs there for another year. Redemption story. You know, he's a good bloke. It's not his go. Coming into the World Cup, Tonga, all that, just as it's about to kick off the World Cup, then he says something. And he says something like I don't even know what he could say that is even more outrageous, but he finds something to say. Just like on the eve of the World Cup, that would be the rugby league timeline. Something about the coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, don't. This is I bet he's God thinking. punishing you all. <laughs> it's God punishing you all for drinking Corona. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Did you see all of the things about that coronavirus? People were putting out all of these conspiracy theories and stuff like that. No. uh, There's all of these people saying, like, uh, you know, don't buy, like, noodles from China because they're contaminated. Just all weird things like that. (laughs) And, and, like, so I put a tweet out yesterday, and I didn't say it was that virus, but I was just like, the bananas are contaminated. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone, like, everyone that replied knew I was taking the piss. Uh, but yeah, f- fuck the internet's weird sometimes. Oh, it is. It's a wonderful, weird, crazy place. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Alrighty, well, on that magnificent note, thanks for tuning in, everyone. You can check us out on Twitter at Pod. We're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, and we're on everything. Um, so hit us up. Uh, you know, make sure you. Give us a review, five-star review, and leave a comment. We'll put it up on our website. We'll we'll read it out on the show. We'll make you famous. So get in on that. That'd be awesome. And Oh, by the way, almost yeah. forgot, right? We should have said this in the last episode. Yeah. If you want to see the bike that, that Mrs. Nathan brought, go to our website and check out the blog section, and there's pictures of the bike that Mrs. Nathan brought. We're not even going to... Uh, mention the other person that we mentioned a lot, but we'll mention Mrs. Nathan from now on. Yeah, yeah, we we won't mention uh, Mr. Mrs. Nathan. No, no, just Mrs. Nathan. Just Mrs. Nathan. I did catch up with I did catch up with her on the weekend for, on Australia. Oh, we had yeah. a barbecue. Yeah. Um, everything she did was was absolutely faultless. She was fantastic. Yep. Um, he who shan't be named. Uh, you know, just full of mistakes. Yeah, just stuffed yeah. it up almost. Everything. <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. Nathan kind of... She holds it is, all together. Yeah, she's the balancing act of... Like, she brings the greatness, and then uh, Mr. Mrs. Nathan fucks it up a lot. <laughs> so there we have it. Um, we're going to do something with the bike. Don't know what we're going to do, but we'll do something with the bike. Yeah. Well, we know that seen as Nathan... Mr. Mrs. Nathan, sorry, isn't yeah. riding a fucking thing. <laughs> that we need to get some use out of it. In fact, that right now I'm willing to say it's Mrs. Nathan's bike. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, but, may as well. Like be. she bought it. She, she, you know, what? She needs to get in touch with us and tell us what she would like to happen with her bike. Yeah, I mean, it's it was her graft. That paid for that bike. Yeah. Her hard work and determination. 
Maybe it's the we'll, reason that bike exists. We'll get a fix up for him. We'll put Mrs. Nathan on the side of the bike. Yeah. We'll spray paint it and everything. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll have to, like, if she wants to ride it, right, if Mrs. Nathan wants to ride it, we'll have to de-chickify it a little bit because it's got a little bell and a little light. She doesn't want to be riding around on a chick's bike like that. <laughs> she wants to be riding around on something that's actually cool. A proper bike. Yeah, yeah, with a little, you know, somewhere in the back to put your, you know, your purse. She's not going to w- ride something like that. No, she she needs a thing on the back so she can put an esky there, so she can yeah. put the animal she's just slaughtered for dinner in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like or, a place, a place on the side for a, for a hunting knife? Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, so I we'll, like that idea. We'll, we'll get this thing kitted out. That'll be our... That'll, we'll, we'll try and figure that out for the year. Try and get it done in time for Christmas for her this year. Mrs. Nathan doesn't need a light on the front because it wouldn't dare get dark in front of her. Hell no. She, she just beams that much light anyway. Yeah, she's a shining light for all of humanity. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can fix up your bike, Mrs. Nathan. I think that's uh, that's a good note to end on. Yeah, I do too. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We uh, we really appreciate your support. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep spreading the word about the podcast. And uh, we're in for a big year. The numbers have been tremendous already. Yeah, we're starting to warm up now. We're getting back into our stride. Popping out a few episodes this week already. Fuck yeah. It's almost here. here. The season's almost here. It's almost here. We'll help you. Yeah. (laughs) All righty, people. Catch us later.